You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. From Gary Neville, that he made in the past, that has just—I've seen absolutely it. blown his own. Oh, you saw it? I saw. I saw the post on Facebook, and and I think that that Wes would be an absolutely perfect way to start episode ninety-two of the A Foreign Affair podcast, blowing well, up I, Gary I do Neville. Have it right here, so whenever you're ready. Oh well, I just wanted to make mention that that is Wes Bradshaw McCall. I am Edward Green. We're here on the A Foreign Affair podcast, episode ninety-two, and we're going to be bringing to you this uh, podcast on NGSC Sports at ngscsports.com. We never stop. You can find them on Twitter at NGSC Sports. Find us on Twitter at AFA Pod. That's our collective Twitter. Individually, we are also at Edward Green and at Wes Bradshaw. 21 and on this podcast we like to talk premier league football we like to talk fa cup we like to hit our news and notes we'll also talk about that uh whole u.s men's national team game from earlier this week and we'll hit uh transfer deadline news and notes as well um also hitting of course watch for so raw and our other big story of the week but we also do love to mock people on this podcast so wes please Commence the Gary Neville mocking. All right. uh, Literally less than 12 months ago, this was April of 2015. Gary Neville, the little rat face man United, former uh, right back. uh, Then a pundit, of course, for Sky Sports. You see teams go to the new camp and get beat 5, 6, 7 nil. Barco are a good side. Well, they're a great side. But if I was involved with a team who got beat 7-0 there, I wouldn't be able to look my family in the eyes anymore. Needless to say, at this exact moment, Gary Neville is averting the gaze of his entire bloodline. That is true. Uh, For those of you who do not know Valencia, who Gary Neville is now the uh, interim manager, and that interim label is probably going to stick with him through the rest of the season. Probably not going to get stripped of the interim part. Um, They lost today at the Camp Nou in the first leg of their Copa del Rey semifinal against Barcelona, 7-0. I believe Suarez with four, Messi with a hat trick? Yeah, you know, Suarez, just a tiny four. Uh, nice of Suarez to get back at our United boy. Oh, oh we, miss, we miss you, Chompers. We miss you in the Prem. Uh, did you, uh, by the way, did, speaking of uh, pundits, uh, did you did you see the video? I think it was on BT Sport uh, of, uh, of what Brendan Rodgers uh, actually talked to Jurgen Klopp before he got to Anfield. 
No, I did not see it. I heard there was a video, but I did not see said video. Apparently, they had, they had a very nice conversation uh, before he took. I believe it was actually at, if I remember correctly, it was at Broad's house, um, or it was at Anfield, one of the two. Uh, and uh, oh, and he, was the uh, was the portrait of Brendan above him? Oh, if if they were at his house, of course it was. <sighs> very intimidating. Um, but they were talking about that. That was that was in the lead up to a match we will be talking about in just a little bit with uh, with Liverpool and Leicester City, which contained what some people are trying to call the goal of the season. It's not. Spoiler alert: that still belongs to Deli Ali. But I digress. We'll get to that in a little bit because we love to go chronologically on this pod. That means we start with the weekend's FA Cup results. And a ho-hum Friday it was at Derby County as Manchester United imposed their will on Derby. 3-1, Rooney Blint Mata with goals. Uh, It was 1-1 at the break, uh, but goals from Blint and Mata in the second period uh, earned the win for Louis van Gaal's army. On Saturday, Saturday, it was uh, Tottenham Hotspur getting a 4-1 win on the road against Colchester. Uh, the most notable thing about that, besides a nice or Shadley brace, uh, was that Colchester lost their two center backs within about the first 15 minutes, uh, one due to a very scary concussion. Um, he is okay. I'm trying to pull up that gentleman's name. Uh, right now uh, it was very very difficult uh, for Colchester though to go on as uh, it was Tom Eastman and Alex Winter who both had to come off uh, because of a uh, a head injury so so thankfully they're okay but Colchester still fall um, elsewhere uh, West Brom to Peterborough United to so West Brom draw the oh, massly, vastly unfortunate replay, which will be on February 10th in Peterborough. Uh, Bolton 1, Leeds United 2, Arsenal 2, Burnley 1 at the Emirates. Goals from Callum Chambers and Alexis Sanchez. Sanchez. Uh, Reading 4, Walsall 0, Villa 0, Man City 4. Villa have well and good, I believe, given up on this season. They will be getting relegated, it looks like. Uh, Shrewsbury Town 3, Sheffield Wednesday 2. Nottingham Forest 0, Watford 1. Uh, Crystal Palace 1, Stoke 0. Oxford 0, Blackburn 3. Pompey, Portsmouth 1, AFC Bournemouth 2, up the cherries. Uh, Bury 1, Hull City 3. Liverpool 0, West Ham 0. Replay February 9th to add on to what has already been a bit of a slog for Liverpool in their schedule. Uh, finally, on Sunday, it was Carlisle United nil, Everton 3, and MK Dons 1, Chelsea 5. A hat-trick for Oscar. Azard ends his scoring drought with a pen in the 55th, and uh, Bertrand Traore had his goal in the 62nd minute to cap things off. So, Wes, we like to talk about our individual teams' matches. Uh, I will start with you. Of course, uh, Liverpool, as they have done in, in cup matches, especially, um, basically except for the uh, the Capital One semifinals against Stoke, uh, have, been, have been playing out different lineups, trying to get other people involved. And this is now another time that uh, Jurgen Klopp has put on a, a somewhat... Um, I don't want to say more experienced side, but a more youthful side we'll go with. Uh, sometimes due to injury, sometimes we're just blooding guys in, as we like to say here. Um, 
but it, it's it seems like for the second straight time now in the FA Cup, that has resulted in, in, in the need for a replay. This time at home against West Ham, uh, Liverpool will be coming to London for the replay. Uh, chances few and far between for both. Um, but Wes, uh, what were your thoughts on the match? Um... <clears throat> Well, in truth, I'm not overly disappointed with the outcome of the match. If you look at what's gone on this year, West Ham had already done the double on Liverpool. That is true. They had already come to Anfield and beaten a you know a, a fully first team Liverpool side as it was. Um, you know, with Liverpool in the final of the League Cup, um, we have our day at Wembley already planned. Um, I think with the FA Cup. In the Exeter tie, Rodgers was forced to play the youth players out of necessity because of um, the the uh, how packed tight the fixture list was and also because of injuries, because of exhaustion. He had to play them. Um, when the kids responded with, you know, the first match, obviously, against Exeter was a little shaky. They get the replay. Second match, the kids take care of business. So um, it kind of seems like Klopp has decided, you know, this is this is how I'm going to be able to see these kids play. And, you know, the thing is, Liverpool need to make decisions on some of these players. Are they players that they want to continue to go with? Or are they guys who, you know, in the Premier League, you know, at a big club like a Liverpool or even a Tottenham, a City, a United – you know, when you hit 22, 23 years old, it's time to either, you know, go ahead and bring those guys into the first team fold or cut bait and let them go somewhere else. Yeah. And see what you can get for them. So I think um, Klopp, I think that's got part of it to do with it. The other part is I think he liked how they responded against Exeter. So, you know, like I said, they've already got one date at Wembley. So, you know, there is silverware there for the taking. I think he's just like, you know what, let's let's let the kids play some and see what they can do. Um, you know, let's let them take their chance. I was personally pretty impressed by this because this was pretty much a full-strength side West Ham team. And, you know, the kids held them to a nil-nil, had a couple shots laid on that um, the West Ham keeper made really good saves on that could have sent us through. Um, <clears throat> you know, Cameron Brannigan, a 19-year-old, had a really good day. Uh, you know, he, he's starting to look the part of a Liverpool player. Um, you know, Brad Smith uh, at the left wing, you know, maybe he's the guy who uh, he can help to spell Alberto Moreno um, or be there, you know, be whatever Liverpool may do with the left back position. There's been some speculation on that. But, you know, Brad Smith's making it making a case for himself to be in that team. I think Liverpool had about three three of those young players, I say three, who, you know, have really proven something. If nothing else, you know, some guys like um Teixeira, who I just I just don't think Teixeira is a Liverpool level. Mm-hmm. You know, uh him, a couple other guys, you know, you were able to showcase them at least a little bit. So, you know, now other teams who may be interested in them see, well, you know, they don't do too bad. You know, they played in the FA Cup. They've got some actual first-team experience. So, you know, that probably helped you with being able to move some guys. Um, end of the day, you know, you hate having to go back and do the replay. But I'm going to tell you this. I believe when uh, when Liverpool goes up to West Ham or goes down to West Ham uh, to play, you're probably going to see a lot of the Cameron Brannigans 
Brad Smith's uh, Jal Tashir is playing again. Yeah, I, I would expect that too. It looks like that's uh, how Jurgen Klopp is going to line up his men uh, going forward in the FA Cup, especially, as you said, uh, still with the Capital One final to play, still with Europa matches coming up. In fact, uh, fifth fifth round matches will be sandwiched in a uh, Champions League Europa League week, which we'll be getting to in just a little bit. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think this is a, a proving ground that he is going to use for them and uh, continue to use them in that way. You know, get, get, trying to prove guys, like you said, uh, Jatashera, Cameron Banigan, uh, some guy named Benteke. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if... We'll uh, I think we've already given up on Benteke. <laughs> I, I think so. Kid. Oh, that is, that uh. is unfortunate. Um, as for Tottenham, uh, big win for them. Uh, looked completely in control against Colchester, which they should uh, against a League One side. Um, actually played a, a fairly strong starting lineup. Um, now I don't know. That's that's also more because of how many guys they've been rotating, especially in the back uh, already this year. Um, a completely different center back pairing than we're used to. One, because of injury, obviously, Jan Vertonghen, who it's now coming out, it's not going to miss three weeks, may miss actually up to ten. Uh, but thanks to um, Marcus Weimer, or sorry, Kevin Weimer, playing a, a very good role in that center back position. Eric Dyer. Marcus is his cousin. Yes, exactly. Um, Eric Dyer uh, able to drop back from his uh, defensive mid position into the center back position, which he's played. And then um, on the outer wings, Danny Rose and um, uh, Kyle Walker were able to give way to their uh, deputies, uh, Kieran Trippier and Ben Davies, who both had great matches, except for Davies scoring his first goal in a Tottenham kit as an own goal. But he had a, he had some assists. He was, he was good on the day. Uh, Vorm, you know, solid in the back in place of Loris. Uh, and then, you know, Nabil Bentaleb, the guy who was supposed to be our part of our uh, defensive mid pairing at the beginning of the season. He he gets a start along with uh, Thomas Carroll, the Hobbit. And uh, then we they actually, from that point on, it was actually a very strong first team attacking option. Lamera, Lamella, Erickson, Shadley up top to go with Kane. And, and really, Pochettino basically saying, and, and I, I think that's right, let's keep the momentum going, let's keep every uh, everybody firing all cylinders, and let's see if we can go ahead and put the game away early, which they did. Uh, Kane gave way in the uh, 67th minute, Lamella gave way in the 56th, uh, Erickson giving way in the 76th. So all those guys uh, were able to come off not having to play full a full stretch of matches, especially with the uh, with with a midweek Premier League fixture coming up. Uh, but overall, you know, I, I was able to listen to it. Uh, I wasn't able to watch any of it, but I was able to listen to it. And uh, I, I would say that it's an it's a impressive performance uh, for a team that really never probably if we're being honest gave more than 40 percent um but that's that's exactly what they should do and that's that's what a team at that top level should be doing against a league one side especially a league one side that unfortunately lost its starting center back pairing in the first 15 minutes um so so great for tottenham they they are straight away advancing and um, and they will be heading on to take on Crystal Palace in the next round. And speaking of that next round, uh, those matches will be taking place on the weekend of February 20th. Uh, some some tasty, tasty matchups 
in the fifth round proper coming up, or as uh, I guess we would call it in the States, the States, the Sweet 16. Uh, Chelsea, Man City, that 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 has potential to be a good one there. Uh, also, you'll have Reading versus either West Brom or Peterborough, Watford versus Leeds, Shrewsbury hosting Manchester United. Come on, Shrewsbury Town. Uh, Blackburn will be hosting the winner of that Liverpool-West Ham replay. Uh, as you mentioned, Tottenham takes on Palace. Arsenal gets Hull in the Emirates. And uh, Bournemouth gets Everton. So, Wes, it's a good thing Bournemouth and Everton haven't played an exciting match already this year or anything. Thank goodness. They won't have any familiarity with each other. Nothing to go back on. I'm, I feel for the uh, broadcasters. No, it's it's a, a boring affair at Bournemouth. How appropriate. No, we're sure to see some, uh, some very exciting football from those teams uh, going for what will most likely be their only major... Uh, prize this season, although I guess you could argue that Bournemouth is also just trying to stay up in the Premier League. So, uh, so is Everton. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. Uh, however, Bournemouth were able to uh, put a good foot forward in this latest uh, midweek fixture list. Uh, so let's get to the Premier League scores right now. Uh, it started off with uh, Arsenal nil, Southampton nil. Uh, Arsenal had a ton of chances. Uh, go begging uh, Fraser Forster back in goal for Southampton. Uh, and just real quick on that, Wes, he, he got injured about halfway through the last year. This was a guy we thought was going to be uh, the the England keeper after Joe Hart was done. Um, he was very strong for Southampton. And, and I think we may have taken for granted how much Fraser Forster meant to this Southampton defense. Because he he was an absolute wall against Arsenal. Not that Arsenal was always great on their lines in front of goal, but uh, Forster a big reason uh, for the goalless draw at the Emirates. Um, you know, Forster is a guy who has been in the England setup before. He's a humongous human being. Yes, he is. I mean, I believe he's about six seven. <laughs> Probably weighs a solid 230, 240. Um, you know, Forster has shown a lot of ability in the past. Uh, of course, uh, has been to the Champions League knockout stages with um, Celtic and uh, that that nice little run they had a few years ago. Um, he's, you know, England suddenly are finding options at goalkeeper, which mm-hmm. is something they have kind of not had for a long time. <laughs> Um, but you know, between uh, between Forrester, of course, Joe Hart, your starter, and um, the one who looks to be the next great keeper that come out of England, uh, Jack Butland. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Eng- English-born goalkeepers, suddenly doing pretty well by themselves. How very American of them. Uh, elsewhere in uh, the Barclays Premier League on this past Tuesday, it was uh, Leicester City two, Liverpool nil. Uh, Norwich nil, Tottenham three, uh, Sunderland nil, Manchester City one. Uh, Sergio Aguero 16th minute strike in the box was the difference at the Stadium of Light as Sunderland finds themselves still at the bottom of the table, although not for lack of trying. Shot after shot on goal, and the man we just mentioned a few minutes ago, Joe Hart, uh, very strong in that contest, uh, palming away multiple shots, including one point-blank range from Jermaine Defoe uh, that he was able to keep out and preserve the three points for the citizens. Uh, West Ham 2, 
Aston Villa nil. Uh, this was a game that Aston Villa desperately needed at least result in. However, one of their best players on the season, Jordan Au, took a careless, stupid red card uh, in in the early goings, just elbowing a player while they were waiting for the ball to be thrown in. Uh, elbowed him right in the face. Uh, the, the referee had no decision left. Gave him the straight red. Uh, Aston Villa held fairly strong for the rest of the first half, but then gave up two goals to West Ham in the second half to seal their fate. And it looks like they may be parking it up to go down to the championship. Um, Elsewhere at Selhurst Park, it was Crystal Palace 1, AFC Bournemouth 2. Wilfred Zaha found Scott Dan. Scott Dan! In the box for the Crystal Palace opener, uh, but Bournemouth responded with two more goals and and survived the onslaught from Palace at the end to get a much-needed win to try and stay up in the Premier League. Uh, Manchester United 3, Stoke City 0. Uh, maybe a bit of a surprising result, but not nearly as surprising as Manchester United scoring a goal at home in the first half. It hadn't happened in like four months. Uh, before... And then they did it again. Yeah, shockingly. Uh, just... They liked it so much, they did it twice. Oh, what is this? I, I did not know this this feeling. Uh, Jesse Lingard headed in the first one, and Martial uh, got the second. Rooney had a tap in for the third to go and do it. But uh, the, the one solace we can take as Manchester United haters, hate, 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 was that uh, Memphis as he has known, Memphis Depay had a very good chance to make it 4-0 and totally fluffed his lines, and it was glorious. So if there was anything we could take away from that match, it was that Memphis still sucks. Um, uh, finally, on the We're day... We're not talking about you, rib capital of the South. That's true. We love Me- Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, West Brom won Swansea one uh West Brom rescue a point at home on a very late goal by Solomon Rondon in stoppage time uh Swansea looked like they were going to survive for all three points but could not do it uh, as Tony Pulis' side gets a very important result uh, as they are almost to safety. Um, which, yes, with 14 matches left in the season, we can start talking about who is safe. Um, on Wednesday, uh, a team that is very not safe, Newcastle falls at Goodison 3-0. It was 1-0 for the longest time, and, and there was that feeling that Everton were going to have it done to them again. But Ross Barkley uh, has a penalty double uh, to put the game away. It's the first home league win for Roberto Martinez since November as the tra- uh, pressure transfers over to his friend in the box, Steve McLaren, over at Newcastle, who are now deep in a regul- relegation battle. And finally, uh, to round out the week, it was Watford nil, Chelsea nil, a somewhat contentious affair and an explosive first half, allowed no goals, but a Diego Costa yellow card and flare-up was imminent at the end of the half. Second half, a little bit less lively. Uh, Ed Nazard came on late but could not produce a spot of magic as Watford held on for a point at home. So Wes, let us now head back to the KP. Um, where, as we mentioned, Jamie Vardy, he had a brace. Um, people are trying to compare his uh, one-touch goal from 30 yards out to Deli Ali's triple-touch strike from outside the box through defenders. But, hey, I guess we got to have some sort of a debate this year on goal of the year. In all seriousness, though, great goal from Vardy. 
Um, Liverpool, though, had some chances in the first half and just couldn't couldn't break through, though. And uh, it's Leicester's first win, I believe, in eight matches in the Premier League against Liverpool. Um, it was a fantastic goal from Jamie Vardy. And I thought the second one was brilliant as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, obviously, the more flashy of the two. Um, I mean, you can't – I personally don't really compare it to Dele Ali's goal. I thought Dele Ali's was just such an amazing piece of skill to get that turnaround. Oh, yeah. Um, now, to me, I thought Vardy's was more important, obviously, because, you know, when Dele Ali got his, it was kind of just putting away a game that they no, had already – No, 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 no. That was a match winner. <laughs> Oh, I thought they were up a goal when he scored it. No, that was uh, that was when it was still one one in like the eighty second. Take it back. Oh, then they must have added one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, we had, okay. Chadley scored in like the ninety second or something. Okay, but yeah. okay. I have my I have my stomach up. Never mind. I take that back then. Um, I just I thought for for Leicester it was an extremely important goal yes, though. Yes. Yes. Because like you say, you know they they had not had any luck against Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, they weren't looking too good on the day at that point. And then Vardy just pulls this piece of brilliance out, um, you know, catches. Uh, I've seen some people trying to blame Mignolet for this. I don't know. I just, he was a little off his line. But, I mean, at that point where the ball was, he shouldn't have been on his line anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I don't really put it on Mignolet. I just think, you know, Vardy, it was a perfectly weighted ball and he just, he put it in. It was magnificent. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous shot. Uh, they go on score again later. 2-0, Leicester deserved winners. It's not like losing to Leicester a year ago. Yeah. I mean, these, these are your league leaders. <laughs> so well, let me ask you. Um, Liverpool, one of the few teams to beat Leicester this year, only the second league loss for the Foxes. What what was the difference in, in the match during the holiday period about a month ago and this one? I mean, right now, Liverpool, just no firepower. You know, ever mm-hmm. since ever since uh, Lalana scored that fifth goal against Norwich, um, Liverpool have now gone five hours without scoring. Oof. Their last three matches, of course, you know, they played the full-time plus extra time against um, Stoke mm-hmm. in the League Cup, ended up winning it on penalties. Uh, got shut out... Um, in the draw over the weekend um, last week, I've totally for I just completely blanked on who I was thinking about. No, oh well, this this one, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh, the draw with West Ham in the FA Cup, and um, and then this match. You know, five hours for Liverpool now without a goal. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just here's the deal: the midfield's not good enough. And then the the guys up front, they're just they're not good enough. Well, um, and, and and to your point, and I, I was going to bring this up. Uh, I yeah. don't I don't know how I saw it, but uh, I, I saw noted Liverpool fan John Green put out a tweet yesterday, and uh-huh. um, and, and he said because and he mentioned some things that we have talked about on this podcast, other other media have talked about, but he said you know we, Liverpool don't have a a managerial problem. They don't have a keeper problem. They have a we're not really that good problem. I agree. Um, <clears throat> I even kind of think they've. Strangely, I think they're doing they're doing much better defensively than I thought. You know, mm-hmm. they had been. Okay. Um, 
you know, Lovren's back somewhat healthy. I know that that sounds <laughs> scary enough in itself just to say. Um, yeah, I think they're doing a lot better at the back, actually. It's just the problem right now. I mean, you know, we obviously we've talked about the injuries, and that's something that hopefully will be changing in the next week. Um, you know, Coutinho's back in training. Apparently, Sturridge went through a full training session today. What? Uh, yeah, I'm once again putting my eggs back in the Daniel Sturridge uh, basket. Here we go. I'm not asking for disappointment, am I? No. Um, uh, Skirtle's back in training. Um, bah, bah, bah. We had like four back in. But, but you know, right now, I mean, a Liverpool midfield, when you're starting Lucas, Milner, and Emery Chan, mm-hmm. this, this is not good enough. You know, this is a club, and you know, I, I know I was singing the song a few months ago, just kind of messing with you. Um, you know, uh, you know, we I, I won't take care of the whole tune, but basically, we got the me- best midfield in the world. We got Zabi Alonso, Mama Sissoko, Gerard, and Mascarano. Okay, take out Mama Sissoko, obviously, at this point. You're talking, you know, this is a Liverpool squad that less than 10 years ago had Zabi Alonso, Javi Mascarano, and Steven fucking Gerard. It's pretty good. I mean, that is a sick game. If, and we weren't joking when we said they're the best midfield in the world. Yeah, that's really good. And now, and now, I mean, you're looking at guys who, I mean, they're they're basically. I'm not saying any of those guys are not good squad players. Mm-hmm. I think Emery Chan has some potential to really develop into a, a really top flight midfielder. <clears throat> um, but at this point in their careers, we know what Lucas is. We know what Milner is. We know what Joe Allen is. Um, Jordan Henderson still has maybe another year before we say, all right, the guy's a squad player. And yes, he is our captain. But, I mean, you can point a few of the goal scoring problems at Jordan Henderson who missed some sitters. Yes. You know, when when you're the captain, when you're supposed to be our best midfielder and you're getting shots in front of goal – you got to bury one sooner or later. Right. You know, Jordan Henderson, Jordan Henderson does not score enough <clears throat> to be a top flight midfielder. Um, and by top flight, I mean, you know, starting for a champions league squad. Right. And, and being, being the captain of a champions league squad, he, he's not good enough in midfield right now. Um, so, I mean, Liverpool, they just, yeah. And then of course, uh, up front, you're looking at Roberto Firmino, who has, don't get me wrong, has done an admirable job, mm-hmm. you know, filling in up top. But you know, Roberto Firmino was not bought mm-hmm. to be our striker. Right. I mean, that's just the thing. He was not bought to be the striker. He was bought to play behind the striker and, you know, set guys up and then run in and score some goals. And he's having to play striker because the 32 and a half million pound striker we got can't fucking score. Yeah. And part of the problem is he doesn't have anybody to get the ball to him where he wants it because, damn it, they're hurt. Yeah. <laughs> or or they've just become ineffective. So it's it's just, it's a very <clears throat> it's a very disappointing time right now at Liverpool. And, and it's kind of a weird situation because you you want to definitely keep the faith because um, you know we we believe in Jurgen Klopp. <clears throat> and I'm gonna tell you this too. Uh, you know, there's a there's a um, a chart going around that that has been on the net for a while, 
talking about um, his first few seasons at Dortmund, Klopp basically turned over the squad at Dortmund. Mm-hmm. First year, first full season, I think he finished sixth. Second full season, he finished fifth. By then, he had the squad turned over. He won back-to-back Bundesligas and then finished second twice. It's pretty good. So, you know, the, the man knows what he's doing, but it's just, uh, you know, I, I expect to see another summer of turnover at Liverpool. And, and you just you just hope that guys that um, Klopp can bring in will kind of hit the ground running. Um, you know, we don't need to blood in too many guys. They just need to hit the ground and yeah. be players. Yeah, so I, I'm putting I, it on my agenda for next year. It's 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 becoming a little bit of old hat, unfortunately, at Liverpool, blooding in new players each year. Okay. Um, so uh, I, we were, we'll talk about transfer day and and you know the deadline day. Not not a whole lot happened, really, for being honest. Um, so I'll, from, I'll, a, from a player standpoint, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's two big stories, and we'll obviously talk about those. Uh, but but uh, I, I wanted to ask you. Were you at all, you know, disappointed about uh, what you guys weren't able to do? I mean, again, not a lot of people moved. Um, not a lot of people were that active. So so how did you feel about Liverpool uh, through the January transfer window? Um, of course, the big name through the entirety of the January transfer window for Liverpool was uh, Alex Teixeira from Shakhtar Donetsk. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um you know, we got really optimistic because, you know, here's the player. The player agreed. I mean, they, they had the contract in place with the player. That's the thing. You know, the players in the media saying, God, I really want to go to Liverpool. I really want to play for Klopp. I really want to go play in England. This is where I want to go. Just please make this happen. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I don't like being one of those fans who says, oh, just spend the damn money. You, you know, that. Uh, you've also got to understand that the, these people are running a business. Would you like to come over to Tottenham? <laughs> no, I'm good. I, I'm good, but because uh, we think we, li- we like to say the same thing here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of a broken record. Well, and uh, something else I'll say in a second. But you know, as far as that went, Liverpool had a valuation on the player. The thing is, they actually met the original valuation that Shakhtar came out with. Mm -hmm. And then it's like Shakhtar just kept knocking the price up every few days. It's like, yeah, you know, we said we'd sell them to you for 28, but you know what? We really want 35. Well, you know, yeah, we said 35. Oh, but you know, he has a release clause that suddenly after two weeks, they bring up his release clause. You know, that's 53. Oh, so we want 53. We want you to hit the release clause. So it's like, you know, here was the other thing. Obviously, Shakhtar did not want to sell the player. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. They weren't, and it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like he was coming in and, he, and his contract wasn't in the summer. He's under contract for another couple of years. So they were under no incentive to have to sell the player. So, um, you know, when you're not, when you're not negotiating from a, from a point of strength, um, unless Shakhtar is just like, okay, look, let's just give in to the kid. You know, he wants, he obviously wants to go. You've offered us 28, let's do 30 and let's call it a deal. Then nothing was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. They, they actually kept going up and up on the valuation of him. So it is disappointing. Um, I really think to was a guy who would have come in and helped just because Liverpool just, they need goals from somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> that's all it comes down to. And he goes from somewhere. And I believe, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe Tashir would have brought goals with him. Uh, there was also reports of a uh, of a uh, signing day or a uh, signing day uh, of a transfer deadline day bid for Mauro Icardi, mm-hmm. uh, the captain of Inter Milan, young Argentine striker who apparently has uh, had a falling out with Roberto Mancini. Go figure. Um, and apparently they put him up for sale, but it was only a couple days before transfer day. And then, you know, when Liverpool came in and actually met what they wanted, which I think they bid $23 million for the player who uh, actually, you know, led Serie A in scoring a year ago. That was what they wanted was 23 And then they come back and say, well, we don't really have time to get a replacement, so we're not going to sell him. So it's like, then why the hell did you go out and say we're willing to sell him? <laughs> who knows? But, Anyway, uh, so you know, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Liverpool a passing grade that I think they went out with the with the idea that they wanted to make some moves and mm-hmm. that they wanted to really improve the squad. But you know, Jurgen Klopp made a point, and I thought it was a good point when he said, <clears throat> you know, I'm I'm not looking to sign a player for three months. He said, you know, I'm not looking to sign a guy just because he's a stopgap. And then when I get these other guys back healthy, you know, then I have a problem because I don't have anywhere to play them. Mm-hmm. He said, if we're going to bring somebody in, I want somebody that we can have for four to five seasons that I want to build around. That makes and, sense. you know, both those players, Tashira and Icardi, I think are players that, you know, that they fit that mold. But it's not just, oh, we need a striker. Who's out there? Well, let's just go throw money at this guy. And when Sturridge is healthy, <laughs> I know, mm-hmm. laugh out loud. Mm. When Sturge is healthy, then you know I have no use for the guy. And he's sitting on my bench and he's making sixty grand a week. So I think Liverpool, they went in looking for quality. They ended up not being able to get it, not get a deal done for it. And at the end of the day, it is a little frustrating. Um, but but I'll tell you this and just transition a little bit. What's really frustrating to me, <clears throat> and of course, you know, Facebook message boards, they're what they are. You know, it's keyboard warriors who, you know, think that they're brilliant. I see so many, God, FSG sucks. They're horrible owners. They just need to sell. Yeah, here's my favorite. They just need to sell to a, to an oil billionaire, and that'll solve all our problems. Okay. I'm sitting here like, you know, um, yeah, that worked in Monaco, didn't it? Yeah. But, but then here's my thing. Which oil billionaire is just knocking down the door begging to buy Liverpool right now? It's true. Um, I think a lot of the billionaires who have the big clubs right now are that you know they they've got their clubs yeah. <laughs> for the moment. So, and also I, I like to continually point out to those people, you know, don't forget that uh, we were literally hours away from uh, going into administration when these uh, when these uh, horrible owners, as you call them, bought the club and basically paid off our debt with their own money. Mm-hmm. Are now building a new stand to add uh, more game day revenue. And and hopefully be able to afford more of these, uh, you know, high-priced players that the oil barons would obviously buy for us at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also as an American Red Sox fan, they have a model. They know what they want, and they just don't go out and spend money on just anyone, <clears throat> you know, except for fat, overweight third baseman. It happens whatever. every once in a while. But they've every won three, they've won three World Series, so I give them a pass. There, and there you go. You know, they, they've uh, the Red Sox have gone from in the last decade. The Red Sox went from you know me crying myself to sleep every night at the end of the baseball season 
to three times celebrating world titles. It's pretty good. So, and you know, my, my grandfather died never seeing the Red Sox win a World Series. I've now seen three. Mm-hmm. And these guys did it, and they brought it, and they've made Boston a viable year-in, year-out contender. Some years we suck, but that's okay. Um, so I trust their acumen to be able to run a sports franchise. Well, and and I, I, I think... do think with Klopp in place, I think Liverpool is a team on the – on an upward trend. And I think to to tie it in, I, I think Tottenham is a lot of the same way and because I hear a lot of the same things from Tottenham. I, I heard, oh, God, we need another striker. Oh, God, we need another striker. Oh God. We don't. I mean, it would have been nice to get our second Musa Dembele. Uh, that that would have been good to get him from Fulham. And it, it's, it sounds like that actually happened. Really good one too. <laughs> yeah, which is scary because Musa, our Musa Dembele has been very good this year. Um, but no, he was he was he was done. It was dusted, and then at the eleventh hour, just fell apart uh, because Fulham wanted more. They they didn't want to they didn't want to lose him. They want to try to not get relegated. Whatever. Um, the same thing kind of happened with uh, Saito Berahino, uh with West Brom. That was more in the summer. But uh, people just keep you know shitting on Daniel Levy, and and for a a few years they were little justified in that and then Maurizio Pochettino came in and brought his and the guys he wanted to bring in he uh he cut the fat and uh you know he's he's he shipped out guys you know our our three moves were all selling uh we loaned Fazio back to Valencia whoops uh we we sent Alex Pritchard to West Brom and we uh sent um oh god uh I'm not gonna uh Mikulov um yeah, one of our under twenties, uh, under twenty ones to um, somewhere. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, Milos, that was his name, Milos Velkovic. Um, but and the 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 outcome of that is that Tottenham was the only team to break completely even in the past two transfer windows. The, they broke. They they have a net spend. From the summer 2015 and January 2016 transfer window of zero pounds, zero, and, and they're they've now, gotten better. and they've gotten better, and they're third in the Premier League, and that's insane. Um, I mean, you look at, uh, do you know who's second in the last two uh, signing uh, windows for how much they've spent net? Who did? Newcastle. That's New- nobody wants to go to Newcastle. Newcastle has spent. <laughs> 70 million pounds the last two transfers and we saw they they got just tried to raid Swansea with John Joe Shelby and Bafatemi Gomez and they're, they're they might get relegated you know I mean you look at teams the top five teams in net spend the last two transfer windows Man City that's not shocking Newcastle Watford Man United and Bournemouth those are your top five net spenders the last two transfer windows. And that's that to me is insane. Tottenham have a new stadium coming. They they are we are basically aiming for 2018 when we're moving into the new stadium, when everything's supposed to be great, and all of a sudden, with a net transfer spending of zero pounds, we're somehow in contention for a title. I think this is amazing. Uh, and this team with, with guys like, I mean, we've sung their praises all year. Deli Ali has another goal against Norwich uh, and earns a penalty for the second. Um, Harry Kane, who I think we can finally uh, round up everyone who thought he was going to be a one-season wonder and put them down for the count. Um, you know, Eric Dyer has been good. Toby Alderweireld has marshaled one of the best defenses 
in the Premier League. Maybe we're getting close to one of the better ones in Europe overall. Period. Maybe I don't know. Um, and, and this team, this team is uh, to use the hackneyed expression. Now they're playing like eleven best friends. They they truly the the Twitter war between Eric Dyer and Deli Ali to see who can post the more embarrassing older picture of each other is phenomenal. They are they are, I and I'll tell you what they they're really starting to remind me of and I've I've mentioned this a couple times at NC Spurs on Facebook and I I'm sure you'll get this to an extent. Uh, they are starting to remind me of the 04 Red Sox. Not they're not as dumb to put it nicely I think as those Red Real Sox. Quick. Real quick, who's the butt naked one running around and uh, taking Jack Daniel shots like Johnny Damon? Oh, probably Kyle Walker. <laughs> um, if if I had to, if I had to just throw that out, I think it's Walker. Um, who who is who is your Manny? You're remaining on the wall. <laughs> I really got to think about this. Um. I don't know if we, you know. That's the thing. That's that's where it kind of falls apart. I don't know that we actually have a Manny. That's the well, only thing. Well, Manny, Manny's just Manny's one of a kind, so yeah. you know that, that's okay. But no, I, I totally understand what you're saying about that. Where you know, it just kind of seems like because um, that wasn't the the most talented Red Sox team. Mm. That wasn't the most talented Red Sox team that's won a World Series here in the last ten years. Nope. But that was a group that everything everything came together at the right time, mm -hmm. and it all came together in the run up. And that's you know, uh, no, you're that's, right. That's and what that's... we seem to be seeing from Spurs is here we are. You know, we're we're getting to the nitty gritty of the season, and they're they're getting better. That they're having less questions where everyone else is starting to have more questions. It seems like. Yeah, and and you know, you, we we start hearing you know Arsenal. You know, the 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 freak out is, is upon them. It seems like, and that's you know, I. I to me, if, if throwing all my biases aside, I don't think that a nil-nil draw against Southampton is the worst result in the world, especially the way Fraser Forster is playing. But I, I mean, you're Arsenal. You finish fourth like every year. I I can see why you're freaking out now that you're back to fourth place when you know a month ago you were you know almost in the driver's seat to win the league. Um, if you're Man City. You've got to be wondering right now, how the hell are we going to catch Lester? Well, you have an opportunity this weekend. Um, you know, I, I think right now it, it's it's Lester and Tottenham that are just that that are you know, and Lester Lester was starting to have some questions. We were starting to think, you know, can they actually sustain this title push? And, and I think they answered a few of those against Liverpool, not all of them, but I because I, I think as you mentioned in the in the first half, they didn't they didn't look the better side. Um, and then, and then it seems like the, the, what the Vardy goals kind of sparked them a little bit, I, but I, I do think, you know, of, of those four, I, I think, I think Leicester and Tottenham have the fewest questions and I don't know. And I don't mean this. I don't mean this to say anything negative about Leicester because there, there's nothing you can say about Leicester at this point. They're no fluke. They are, they are who they are. I, I don't know that Tottenham aren't an actual better team than them. Uh, if you went, if you went top to bottom, I, I think Tottenham are just a little better. Um, now they have a very, they have five points is a lot to make up. Um, but, but man, I am, I am starting to buy into the idea that I, I, some things will need to fall their way, 
but it's no longer unreasonable to think, you know, yeah, you know what? Tottenham can win the league. Why Why the hell not anymore? This season, why the hell not? I agree. I mean, for Tottenham, <clears throat> for Tottenham, it's just going to be about, um, they've just got to figure out a way to catch the guys in front of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to need some, they're going to need a little bit of help. They're going to need some teams to drop some points. Uh, but I mean, you know, Kemba, what I was getting at right now, Tottenham, Tottenham to me seemed to be the form team and, you know, it's, it's almost more like they're solidifying instead of finding more holes, Mm -hmm. you know, Arsenal, Arsenal are God, Arsenal are so fragile right now, mentally all of a sudden. Oh Yeah. Because the, I mean, all that they are chicken little. The sky is falling right which now. Which to me is weird because I expected this to happen in like December when they had all their injuries, when they had the busy holiday period. I, I, that's when I expected it to happen, and they came through pretty well. And and it's 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 that it's happening now when they had been in the lead, you know. And maybe that's that's another cause of it because they were like, oh, oh oh god, we're we're leading the Premier League. Oh, well, what do we do now? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, and I'll tell you this, you know, Arson has made some questionable decisions. And I, I don't really understand why he's doing some of the stuff he's doing. You know, it started off with the, um, was it last week or the week before where he pulled Giroux in like the 17th minute due to an injury? No, that was the, um, he pulled him because of the, uh, the Kashelny red. Oh no! Sorry, not the Shelby yeah. red, the Murtisacker red on uh, against oh, Chelsea. That's right. That's right. It was a red, so they had to bring in the uh, they had to bring in another center back, and they took off Giroud, which was just head scratching. Yeah, that was. Uh, and it was uh, Murtisacker who got the red. Yeah, you're right. Um, that was the Chelsea match. Mm-hmm. You know, he did that. That was just head scratching. Um, the reports out of London are that, you know, you take these for what they're worth. Ch- um, Arsenal were. Basically, given two hundred million pounds I to saw spend that in the winter transfer yeah. window, and they they loaned a guy out. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I, I believe they signed. I believe they signed like a youth player. Yeah, they they spent five million pounds in the uh, in this transfer window. Yeah, I think they signed a youth player, and that was their big output. Uh, Debushi went to I believe Bordeaux on loan. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, I mean, really, God, to me, Arsenal are such a good striker away from winning this league. Mm-hmm. Not to take anything away from Giroud, who he's been scoring some goals, but to me, there's a difference in just a guy who can score a few goals and a striker who can change a game. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, from the sound of it, Arsenal had the money to go out and do something if they wanted. Once again, Wenger just chose not to spend money. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I almost don't know if maybe Vinger isn't just a little gun shy about going out and making a big move <clears throat> because, you know, they've wanted it for so long that if he makes the wrong move, I don't know if he thinks that might spell the end for him for making the wrong move. I don't know. It's almost like caution is better than, you know, taking a shot at something. Yeah, it's it's but, uh, just a very weird situation over there at Arsenal. You know, we, we talked about Liverpool and, and Tottenham, you know, where we're two clubs that are, you know, we, we kind of understand, you know, we're not going to make any huge signs, especially not in January. 
I, I think if you're Arsenal, you know, you see you see Chelsea sign a guy like Alexander Pato. You know, Chelsea is a team that's just trying to get back up into the top half of the table, you know, and 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 that's a guy, you know, I don't know that he was necessarily on Arsenal's radar, but the 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 fact that they didn't really do anything at all when when there are holes that I think Arsenal can fill, uh, getting getting they are a team that I do believe needs a second striker. Um, and I mean, Alexis Sanchez has, has scored three goals in 20 Premier League matches. Um, and that's, and Alexis Sanchez is still good. He's been, you know, hurt some, but you know, Ozil, I think only has three goals this season. Giroud is, is, is very inconsistent. Um, I, I just, I have to imagine this, this was a team that actually had to do something of the five teams up top, Leicester, City, Spurs, um, Arsenal and maybe even United. Arsenal was the team that I think actually had to do something. Like Leicester, maybe just uh, boost up your depth, which they did early in the window. City, I, I, same. Tottenham, same. You know, or just you know, cut players like they did. Arsenal needed something big, and they didn't get it. Well, I think Arsenal needed something big. Liverpool needed something big. United could have used something big. Yeah, and all three of them struck out at the end of the day. But I mean, give at least give Liverpool and United credit; they tried. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- once again, you know, I mean, I never saw anybody really seriously connected with Arsenal throughout this entire thing. Yeah, you know, um, so I mean, once again, I believe Vingers has decided. You know, well, I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to go with what I got. And by God, we'll, we'll, we're we're going to finish in the top four. You watch. But the thing is, the people are screaming, you know, we, hey, you know, we're not hating you for finishing in the top four. But my God, we really, really, really want to try to do something better than just finish fourth. And I don't think that's unreasonable. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, Vinger, try third. <laughs> maybe, maybe even second. You know, people can finish second, you know. <laughs> Uh, but it's oh man I'm so glad I'm not an Arsenal fan for multiple reasons but one because I would be so unbelievably frustrated right now you know being Liverpool fans one thing we we fluctuate up and down to literally finish fourth every year it's got to be depressing when when all you hear is about the money that you have and the money that's available for you to spend and the fact that you know you're in North London people would you know, there are plenty of top players who would die to come to London and play. And then you just don't go after them. You end up with some 17-year-old French kid that no one's ever heard of before. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see how they uh, they advance in the transfer period. And to the Ar- angry Arsenal fans out there, yes, we know you finished there last year. No, it wasn't that much better. We get it. Um, it wasn't your weekend Premier League fixture list looks like this, and it starts off with a hugely important match in the title race. 7.45 a.m. at the Etihad, Manchester City, Leicester City. It's going to be big to start off the weekend. Uh, the title race, you know, if Leicester wins, it's not over, but, man, it's 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 going to be tough for anyone else to catch him at that point. Um at 10 a.m., you have Villa, Norwich, Liverpool, Sunderland, Newcastle, West Brom, Stoke, Everton, Swansea, Palace, Tottenham, Watford, and then at 12:30, Southampton 
and West Ham uh, on Sunday at uh, not 1.30. No, 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 no. I believe that's 8.30. Yes, 8.30 a.m. Thank you for finally converting into Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it's Bournemouth who will be hosting Arsenal up the cherries. And then at 11 a.m., again, another match that looked, you know, maybe a little bit better earlier in the season, uh, Chelsea-Manchester United at the bridge so that's that's that uh a quick look at your barclays premier league standings leicester are three points ahead of city so if city get a win they will go top because they have a better uh goal differential than leicester uh tottenham are in third with 45 arsenal have 45 as well but a 10 point less goal differential man or man united excuse me are in fifth with 40 points west ham in sixth with 39 the bottom of your heart the relegation zone norwich are in 17th with 23 and in the drop zone newcastle sunderland and villa villa 10 points adrift of safety all right quickly um because we do need to mention it um usmnt big win against iceland on sunday uh a winning goal by steve birnbaum uh, in the final moments of the match, gave the United States a 3-2 win, their first of 2016, and takes slightly uh, a little bit of pressure off of Jurgen Klinsmann, um, an up-and-down showing, but uh, a lot more attacking prowess than we have seen in a very long time from these Americans, and uh, dare I say, a re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-rejuvenated Josie Altador. So... There's sure. that there's that going for them. You know, stop me if you've heard that before. Totally. It may be the USMNT's time. Uh, they are playing this Friday against uh, Canada in a uh, World Cup tune-up. Um, all right, Wes, let's, let's hit, um, you know, now that we talked about um, Jordan Morris not going to Werder Bremen, he went instead to Seattle. Two uh, United States players who I'm sure made Jurgen Klinsmann very happy, uh, Christian Pulisic, Got his uh, first appearance with Dortmund's first team this this past weekend. Uh, came on in the final 20 minutes against Ingolstadt uh, with the game at nil-nil. Saw through a victory. Andrew Rave reviews did the 17-year-old. And, and also in the past week, uh, Matt Miazga moves from Chelsea. Or sorry, moves from New York Red Bulls to Chelsea. Uh, and Chelsea is not loaning him out. So, so Wes... Uh, he's in the uh, in their Champions League squad. There you go. So uh, Wes Jurgen has Jurgen Klinsmann because we do have two Jurgens we follow. Uh, Klinsmann has got to be so happy after after Morris chooses to stay at MLS that two of his young rising talents Miazga was in MLS. He wanted he pushed to go to Europe. Got the move to Chelsea. Uh, Pulisic. <clears throat> Looks like already looking very good uh, as as a squad player for Dortmund. And uh, you know, for for Klinsy, we've got Klopsy and we've got Klinsy. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, for Klinsman, that's that's a little that's a little uh, thumb of the nose vindication for him. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the whole Jordan Morris kind of saga that went down. Um, you know, here's Jordan Morris, who I believe is, what, 20, 22? Was he yeah. 22 years old? You know, he's 22, and he's he's choosing, you know, well, I want to go to MLS for a while, da-da-da. And here's two guys younger than him 
who do not nearly have the same huge name of Jordan Morris. Um, I believe how old's Miaska? Uh, I actually want to think say Miaska's like twenty four. Uh, actually, no, no, no. Uh, excuse me. Uh, he is he's twenty. Uh, he'll be twenty one this July. Excuse me. Sorry about that. So there you go. So I mean, there's two guys younger than the great Jordan Morris, hmm? who both have decided you know we want to take this chance and we want to go over there and they're being rewarded. Um, one in the Bundesliga, one in the Premier League. Um, and, and they're showing, you know, those are guys who are showing, you know what, yeah, I'm an American, I'm young, but you know what, all I need is an opportunity. Let me come over here and prove myself and see what we can do. And uh, to me, I just think it's a little bit, I think, uh, you know, Klinsman probably has a little smirk on his face when they're brought up like, well, you know, I told you, I told you how this could work out, but, you know, Everybody wants him to stay in MLS. I I think it's a great move. Miazga, you know, this big center back, 6'4", going to Chelsea. And I think the fact that they didn't loan him right away means that one way or another, and as you said, he's on their Champions League roster, one way or another, I think towards the end of the season, we may see uh, Miazga on the first team. Um, I'm not saying he's going to start. I'm not saying he's going to play multiple matches. I'm not saying any of that. But I think that the I, the fact that Chelsea want to get this half season out of him to see what they really have up close, I think says that they they have a very keen interest in him. This is not a publicity stunt. This is not, you know, may, maybe somewhat what happened to DeAndre Edlin at Tottenham. Um, but I, I, th- I think Chelsea have a genuine interest with him. And because we know... If there's a team that's going to loan somebody out, it's Chelsea. I think they have, at last check, 847 players on loan. So if, <laughs> they, they, if you know, they could have loaned him, you know, to a West Brom, to a to a you know Watford, to a Newcastle to get him Premier League minutes potentially, and instead don't, don't they're don't they have a team in Belgium that they loan everyone to? Yes, there you go. Maybe Anderlecht or somebody. Um, and and I think that's great. And Pulisic, I got to see some of his highlights when he came in for the last 20-some minutes against Ingolstadt over on the weekend. Kid's good. Kid at 17 just looks composed. He's smart on the ball. He's fast. I mean, this is these are two really, really good talents. And and the only thing I can hope for, you know, with with Pulisic hopefully already somewhat cementing himself as as a guy on the on the roster every week. Maybe not starting every week just yet at Dortmund but being on that roster being in that 18 that's amazing and if Miazga can break through at Chelsea somehow my goodness that would be that would be huge not for MLS maybe necessarily but it would be huge for the USMNT and as we talked about last week Wes sometimes those two factions can be at opposing odds of of what they want to grow their individual brand I guess Absolutely. And, and, you know, last week was a victory for um, MLS. You know, they got Jordan Morris. He didn't go overseas. I just think this past week, this is a victory for Jurgen Klopp. Okay, you didn't Klinsman. go overseas. Klinsman. You know what? Uh, uh, Klinsman, of course. Uh, Klinsy, excuse me. Klinsy. <laughs> you know, uh, I am trying to find a victory for Jurgen Klopp somewhere. I know, I know. Um, but, you know, for Klinsy, it is a victory because, you know, and Miazga will, I think, be more of a victory down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid at Dortmund, hey, he's been there. He yeah. took the challenge early, and he's reaping the rewards now. I mean, I would not, I would not be shocked 
to see that kid get a U.S. call-up next time they uh, go to camp. Uh, and he actually did score a goal, uh, I believe, at the Under-17 World Cup um, this past time it was there. So so he does have some USMNT experience. He is- and, and, and I just I wouldn't be shocked to see him get a call-up mm-hmm. just so Klinsman can kind of say, well, you know, you go overseas, you play in a big league, there's a good chance you get called up. Yeah, and, and I, I think Even if it's just out of principle for Klinsman. <laughs> the last thing I'll say on, on Morris, um, and, and I don't totally disagree with what he did. I, I don't think I disagree as strongly with what he did as you do. But I, I am still a little surprised the fact that he went to Werder Bremen. Aaron Johansson is there. You know, he's he's still rehabbing from an injury, but this is another USMNT player who has gotten some good cap time with the national team who, who despite, you know, being injured, I, I have to think, you know, he would have put in and and it sounded like, you know, who knows what they they're just saying to the media, but it sounded like Werder Bremen wanted him. So I just I, I'm just a little I see seeing these two stories makes makes me like the Morris decision less than I did when it when it just happened in a vacuum. Now, with context, I think, man, if you know, if if we could have, you know, you know, two strikers at a at a Bundesliga team, if we could have a a what is looking to be maybe a future USMNT starter at another Bundesliga team, a good Bundesliga team, no less. I I don't know. It's tough. Um, let's talk a little. Uh, let's talk a little deadline deals. Uh, you know, we could West talk about uh, Pato going to Chelsea. Um, we we could talk about a couple other deals, but there's two huge stories that really stole. The, the transfer deadline day news cycle and um and those weren't even transfers one is uh John Terry uh not not the fantasy ending for him as he said uh it looks like Chelsea most likely will not renew him and he will not be going to another Premier League team so it looks like we have seen the end of uh maybe John Terry's reign in center back for Chelsea and then two. Welcome uh, to America, JT. Oh, the elephant graveyard. Uh, and then two. City sounded like, oh, that's that's a good idea. That that's that's already been announced. Let's announce something for ourselves. Um, Manuel, sorry, we're we're bringing in Pep. He's coming. Get your bag, pack your bags. At the end, on June thirtieth, you're leaving. Pep's coming in. Um, so Wes, let, let's break down these two things. Um, First, let's let's start with John Terry. Uh, last year, a bit of a renaissance for him in Chelsea's run to the title. This year has been very up and down, much more down than up, we should say. Uh, but still, it's it's a little odd, you know. In one hand, that Terry's Chelsea career may end so abruptly like this. On the other hand, Chelsea are no strangers to doing this. We look at Frank Lampard. We look at others who this has happened to in similar fashion. Well, um, I think one big thing for John Terry that he had going for him was uh, just the fact that Josie Mourinho was such a John Terry guy. Oh, yeah. And now with Mourinho gone, he's lost his uh, – he's kind of lost his buffer that, you know, always kept him in line and kept him where he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you you look at – Goose Hitting, who is not going to be there next season. We already know that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been, you know, now with uh, Pep going to uh, City, I think a lot of people are kind of assuming that uh, Mourinho is going to go to United. 
Yeah, there, there are a couple managers out there to go to Chelsea. Now, I don't I don't believe Pellegrini's going to go. Um, it kind of, it almost looks like it's going to be Allegri from uh, Juventus heading there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for John Terry, I mean, the writing is pretty much on the wall for him. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's up there in age. For Chelsea, it, it, it's better for them to go ahead and just try to find what's going to be your center, your center backs going forward. Uh, be it Zuma, Otamendi, uh, not Otamendi, uh, Zuma, or whoever the hell they want to play back there. <laughs> um, you know, another one who hasn't had much time lately has been Gary Cahill, who's been mm-hmm. um, maybe talking about leaving. There was uh, obviously Ed. If anything happens, you're connected with Liverpool. So yes. I enjoyed that story one morning sitting on the toilet. Gary Cahill, uh, interested in Liverpool move. What the hell? Of course. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's almost, you know, someone like Terry, when you are coming in to kind of rebuild your brand a little bit, um, which Chelsea's having to do, Someone like John Terry, who's been there so long and so identifies with the club, it may be just a good idea for him to go his separate ways with the club Mm -hmm. Um, just because he's so readily identified with them, and that kind of gives the club a fresh start. Right. So I think it's it's a good time for John Terry to leave. Um, If JT feels, you know, he can still – he's still got something to offer – um, you know, it seems like LA Galaxy somehow yeah. signed everyone. Yeah, it's weird how that happened. They, they just signed somebody else today. Oh, they just signed Nigel De Jong now. Yeah. I mean, how many of? I thought you were only supposed to get like three of these players. It's it's a very mysterious Jogo MLS plays under. Because I mean, just and of course I don't watch any MLS, but immediately off the top of my head, I mean they've got Robbie Keane, Steven Gerrard. Um, now they've got De Jong and they just signed Ashley Cole. Yeah. So, you know, I thought, I thought you were only allowed to get like three of these guys, but they've got like, and, and oh, and then they've got, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. Yeah. It's uh it's QPR West. Like five or six of these guys. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, for Terry, if he, if he does want to go somewhere different, uh, you, you can't. You can't really fault him for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is admirable and kind of predictable that he would not want to go anywhere else in the uh, in the Premier League. To me, it just it just screams I'm going to America. Yeah, all yeah. over it. It, I, it looks like that's probably what's going to happen to Terry. Maybe he'll take the Frank Lampard route and go to uh, NYCFC and then get loaned back to City and then all kinds oh. of crazy. Uh, Everyone do not see Terry doing that. Yeah, that's true. Oh, but I'm think sure of the he has fu- many baby mamas in Manchester. I was, was going to say, think of all the housewives that are in New York. Desperate housewives of America. Here comes JT. Oh, brilliant. I smell a reality show. Uh, on the other side, of course, that other big story, though. Uh, Pep finally comes to City. And Wes, I think the biggest thing about that story is, you know, that means that Josie Mourinho to United confirmed. And oh my God, let the let the fireworks commence. 
you got two guys who already don't like each other. They have history in Spain. And now you're not only going to put them in England together, you're putting them in the same city. Please, 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 please. And not only that, if you just think about it from another viewpoint, that means, Ed, in a 30-mile range, this could almost be like Duke State, Carolina in Mm -hmm. basketball. Um, when they've all actually been good at the same time, very rarely, uh, you can have in a 30 mile range, uh, Mourinho, Guardiola and Klopp. Yeah, it's pretty good. All the three miles of each other. Um, and I mean, I, I just think, you know, a year ago that was almost insane to think about. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you it, think it of the timing extreme- of it though? Interesting dynamic. And see, that's to me, the timing kind of bothers me some. Yeah. I mean, you know, Guardiola already saying that he wasn't coming back. That was one thing. Mm-hmm. But now, in the middle of the season, when you're still alive in three competitions, and literally maybe your biggest Premier League match of the season coming up this weekend. Exactly. It's like, hey, guys, instead of, you know, trying to keep you focused. You're getting a new manager. <laughs> and it's going to be, of all people, fucking Pep Guardiola. Uh, Here, now, here's the thing. Now, just, on that note, as, as as maybe callous as it is, could, could this actually have a positive effect on City? Could it say, you know, for one, either, either A, hey, let's do it for Manuel, or B... Hmm, this is this is probably the time I should start uh, trying to impress Pep. I should probably kick it into a third gear and not have that second piece of birthday cake, Yaya Torre. Um, I, I, I well, think well, there could oh, be advantages. Forget, um, hey, if, if you want to throw out another story, uh, Torre's agent has already said he's leaving at the end of the year. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that or not, but that has come out. They have said they're leaving. Um, likely destination, China. <laughs> Of all places. Yeah, we're, we, I'll have one more story it's from there, but go ahead. We'll, we'll continue with suddenly this. that's where everyone's going is China. Sounds um, like it. But uh, Yaya Torre's agent quickly confirmed, because, uh, of course, Torre does have history with Guardiola at Barcelona, mm-hmm. and it was not a very good history. Yeah. So needless to say, uh, the Torre camp has already said that he will not be sticking around to play for Guardiola next year. And that makes sense. Uh, so, you know, the exodus has already begun there. Um, but, you know, for guys like uh, David Silva, uh, Raheem Sterling, you know, guys like that, I think they're going to be really excited to get to play for a guy like Guardiola. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And, you know, you know, we would like to add Kevin De Bruyne to that list. We won't for a very long time, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think... I think this is just one of those things that happens. I think they try to do it for the right reasons, but I think it just comes off as callous, and, and it actually makes me feel a little bit bad for Pellegrini. But uh, that that is the business where, unfortunately, City have these absurdly lofty expectations at this point. And, and, well, unfor- and, and also what this does, this makes City a legitimate anyone in the world could go there kind of club. Yeah. Because, I mean, immediately, immediately, the very first rumor starts. Clear the bank for well, Messi. Of course, of course, Messi wants to play for Pep. Yeah. And City, City have the money. If they want to, they've got the money. Yeah. So, uh, 
it's going to get really interesting, really interesting around the Premier League now. Yeah. If it wasn't already, it's going to get even more interesting. Bonkers. Uh, our final couple stories here uh, in our news and notes section. Uh, first off, uh, speaking of maybe some transfers that could be happening, uh, we did have uh, Jackson Martinez going to China, uh, joining that Guangxu Evergrande which is apparently just buying literally everyone, I believe. They bought Polino. They have Big Phil as their manager, uh, and they they just keep signing players. Um, the reason he might be leaving Atletico, some have speculated, is because Atletico wants Diego Costa back. And that does free up, uh, or that gives them about 42 million euros or 32 million pounds um, on the deal for Atletico. They made about ten. No, they made about seven million euros on the the transfer after buying uh, Martinez and then selling him. Uh, so, Wes, do, do you think do you think there is a reunion in the cards for Costa and uh, Atletico? I think it'd be a very good chance. I mean, especially once again with uh, we know a new manager coming into Chelsea. Um, it already looks like. Um, Ed Hazard is going to be out of there. Mm-hmm. Once we know John Terry is going to be out of there. I think it could just be a good start. Once again, just to freshen up that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, just just be good to go out there. Um, you know, I had, the, I had the list up earlier. China, here in this, uh, in this little transfer window, they have suddenly gone for a lot of well-known names. Gervinho. Mm-hmm. Has now uh, moved to China. Um, God, there were two or three other guys. And now, rocking Liverpool's world, a guy we talked about earlier, uh, Alex Tashira. Yes. Apparently, um, this, uh, um, who is it? It is uh, Guangxiao. Guangxiao Evergrande. I'm actually looking at their roster right now. Yeah, same ones who have just signed... uh, Jackson Martinez. Martinez, right? Yeah. So these guys are going for everybody. They must have a shitload of money, because apparently they've uh, they've met a thirty-eight million dollar valuation of Tashira. Now, to me, this would be really interesting to see if Tashira goes, because one of his stated reasons wanting to go to the Premier League is so he could break into the Brazil team. Right. If he goes to China, he ain't getting in the Brazil team. Well, I mean, Scolari is the coach of this team. Ever uh, exactly ain't the most popular guy in Brazil at the moment. Well, <laughs> but, but I mean, think about it. Yeah, you're if, right. If he's not if he's not getting in at Donetsk, mm-hmm. which plays in a better league than the Chinese league, mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you just start going down players who play for Brazil, you're not getting in playing in China. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, which is basically going to be like a glorified weekend league. Yeah. Uh, final couple stories here. Uh, it looks like. Uh, Chile has got their new man after losing Sampoli a few weeks ago. Juan Antonio Pizzi, uh, the one-time Valencia manager, will take over for Jorge Sampaoli as new national team head coach. He has uh, a deal that will go uh, take him through the Copa America and then the 2018 World Cup qualification period. Um, he also managed uh, Lyon and Liga MX for three years. Uh, before being in Valencia for the 2013-14 campaign. Uh, finally, uh, it sends me to report that Real Madrid's tr- transfer ban has been uh, done away with for now on on the the appeal. So, Athletic, well, Athletico as well. Yeah, Atletico too. 
Yeah. So, well, that's good because they got to get Costa back. Yeah, but. I can cost out England, man. Damn it, I don't want anything good to happen to Real Madrid. I just don't. And don't worry, them spending money actually usually turns out bad for them. Mm. You know what? Yeah, I think you have a point there. I think you and have. Just think about it. We've got to get De Gea out of United. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. You're exactly right. As because long as... If, just think, if De Gea is not there, you, you remember we said it on transfer day when that whole deal went down. Mm-hmm. We said this is a catch-22. The good part is it's hilarious that it happened to United. Yeah. And it just it just drags them through the mud. The bad part is they kept David De Gea. Yeah. <laughs> just think where United would be right now without David De Gea. Not, not anywhere near. They could literally be knocking on Chelsea's door. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're not Which wrong. Would have been so worth it. <laughs> All right. Um. So that's that's usually that would do it for our soccer talk, soccer 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 talk on the week. Um. But we thought, you know what? It's it's Super Bowl week. Um. And given given our feelings about the NFL, I, I figured it would be very appropriate for uh for us to do our other big story of the week on soccer. So yes, there you go. Thank you NFL. Uh, you you want our NFL preview? Who cares? Yeah, you want our NFL preview? Johnny Manziel didn't get arrested this week when he should have been. There you go. Congratulations, Johnny. Oh. You want our Super Bowl pick? Somebody's gonna win. Yep, and somebody's going to lose. Um, no, our other big story this week is a is a kind of scary story, and, and it's to show that we like to bash the NFL. We like to bash other leagues. We like to bash FIFA a lot, but sometimes it's our pastime. Sometimes UEFA also can do some pretty shady shit. An article came out uh, this past week where it looks like Liverpool and Manchester United are pushing to have what almost seem to be fixed spots for certain clubs in the Champions League, AC Milan being another one of them. Um, UEFA has not come out in in disagreement with this yet. Uh, it would be a spot in the, the tournament regardless of league positioning. Uh, according to the Suns, Dan King, he says, quote, uh, UEFA constantly reviews the format of its competition in close consultation with stakeholders. Uh, there are no concrete proposals on the table at the stage as they have just begun a new three-year cycle for club competitions. Um, it, it just seems really weird, Wes, that after all the scrutiny that FIFA has been under with Sepp Blatter and the, and the presidential elections coming there, it, it just seems weird that that UEFA would even entertain something that seems as shady and underhanded as guaranteed spots in the Champions League, and and that just that just seems to break everything that is great about the Champions League. You know, it used to be, as somebody said, you actually had to be a champion to get into the Champions League, and they opened it up a little bit more. And I do like that they've opened it up, but I mean, this is this would be insane to have based on I I think I want to say it was based on um, income. And, and other things like yeah. that that these spots would be based on, I think that's that's horrendous. And I can't imagine why UEFA is not coming out and saying, no, we're not doing this. There, there's been no word from their camp at all. Well, I mean, 
you nailed it on the head and didn't even mean to. It all comes down to money. Yeah. Um, and, and basically what they're what they're looking at, and I'm not saying this is the emphasis for all of it, it just happens to be happening. <clears throat> Who's more profitable in Europe? United and Liverpool or Leicester? You're right. And that's terrible. Who's more profitable? Um, no offense to you, who's more profitable in Europe? United, Liverpool, or Tottenham? At the moment, yeah. It's it's United. And and that's the thing, is you've got these... And I guess the only reason I keep bringing those two up is because those are the two who were named in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, disclaimer, I have yet to see one Liverpool fan be like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. All oh, of us yeah. are sitting here saying... What the hell? Oh, no. From every comment I saw, every comment was like, bang on. No, this is stupid. I'm a Liverpool fan. I want us to be in the Champions League. I want us to earn our spot in the Champions League. Exactly. I want us to deserve it. Either finish in the top four or we win Europa. I mean, you know, I mean, don't just put us in. To me, oh, God, don't even take me down the political wormhole here. To me, it's almost like what we're seeing in politics. If you don't give me an impetus to have to succeed, if you're just going to give it to me, then why the hell am I going to work harder for it? Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, thank you, Bernie Sanders. Anyway, um, that to me, that is it's totally insane. I understand where they're coming from, and I think more of this actually may have to do somewhat with uh with teams like actually liverpool and maybe ac milan mm-hmm. who you know have been out of the competition now for a while and it's not really looking like they're going back in immediately or even a chelsea um, who's they're so, not going to be one of the champions league next year well but but you know chelsea is a team that even with that i think a lot of people are going to expect them to bounce right back next year mm-hmm. okay um and, you know, so I, I just think it's teams who suddenly are feeling like, oh, crap, this could be a long-term thing. And, and let me put it this way. as If I was an owner of a, cha- of a, of a Premier League team, if I was uh, Mr. Henry um, at FSG, you know, I can totally understand where he as an owner is saying, well, yeah, hell yeah, I love that idea because that's guaranteed money for him every year. That's guaranteed money for the club. You know, you get that big fat Champions League payday. I mean, that's shoot. That's that's great business. That's fantastic business. From the sporting side of things, it is a travesty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I I cannot really. I put a very low percentage that this would ever actually happen. I, um, I'm going to give UEFA a mini pass, not a big one, because you know. UEFA's kind of just FIFA Junior. A little bit. Um, I mean, them not coming out and immediately saying no. I mean, obviously, they're going to explore their options. Mm-hmm. They're going to explore all avenues. So I, I'm more of the line that they just may be doing their due diligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't, I just can't see this going over and happening. You know, to me, if that happens, I think that's the fir- I think that is the groundbreaking step to going to the often talked about like a European Super League, mm-hmm. which I really don't want to see happen either. Yeah, I mean, I just I like what we've got. <clears throat> um, 
and of course that's a whole nother discussion for another day. I don't know. I don't know at this point if the Premier League would totally be in on that because of the money the Premier League's suddenly making. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> like I said, that's kind of a separate conversation. But I think if if you went to something like that, that could almost be like the baby steps toward the European Super Leagues. And that that I agree with you would just be. I just don't see how it could work. The travel would be brutal in some cases. Um, and it just, it, it just seems unfair. Like it just seems unfair. And yeah. That, but you know, the problem with fairness is, you know, nah. you've got a bunch of guys who are making more money than they know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Fairness can sometimes take that uh, backseat to everything else. It's true. And I will, I will also give like you a, a somewhat mini pass to UEFA too, uh, because, and I say mini pass because there is a bit of a power vacuum right now with UEFA Michel Platini is uh is serving an 8-year ban so there's not a whole lot of top-level leadership right now uh Gianni Infantino who is the general secretary for UEFA is running for to be FIFA president so so right now there are I, I believe bigger fish to fry, so to speak, for UEFA than worrying about this. I still think they could have sent out a press release just saying, you know, we, we are we are trying to work out what is best for all clubs, you know, and not not just a few. We are committed to seeing the the best future for all of our member clubs and not just some top ones. But as we continue to explore you know, our options, you know, something like that, 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 that would have taken 20 minutes, but uh, I, I well, you, you know, I've, I've come to expect pretty much nothing at all from governing bodies. Yes. Yes. Of, of not only of sport, but of nations, yes. <laughs> nations, entertainment, just anything. I just, I don't trust anyone under the war, under the guise of a governing body anymore. Expect little, get less. Ed, I'm going off the grid. Oh, that's amazing. And one day with solar power, you might actually be able to fully do it and still get your Premier League football. All right. Um, speaking of watching things, Wes, what have you been watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Please let us know in the segment we affectionately call Watch 4. Um, crap, what have I watched this week? Uh, I had something earlier and I've like totally just completely and utterly forgotten what it was so i'll tell you what i was watching earlier tonight sure um i decided to watch uh of all things just watch wrestlemania 4 tonight i saw you posted that on twitter yeah 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 um yeah was watching the old jake the snake versus uh, rick rude match fantastic workers by the way yeah just got to watch that tonight just uh We'll get into it a little more when we get to so raw, but just uh, the state of the WWE at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go back to the old days. I just wanted to feel good for a little while. Oh, I understand. I understand so, completely. Um, as as for Watch 4, oh, um, real quick, uh, I, I think I tagged you in the uh, status this week. Um, Archer premiering March 31st. Yeah. If that is going to be the premise of Archer, which, uh, of course, uh, you know, we had Archer Vice a couple seasons ago. We did. If they're going to do an Archer PI, basically a Magnum PI premise, uh, if you go to their Facebook page, I'm sure their Twitter, um, whatever, for for Archer the series, they had a fantastic, like, about uh, two and a half minute trailer. Mm Mm-hmm. 
which was just magical. If that's going to be the premise this year, Archer is going to be so much fun. Well, I I think it is because I can't imagine. It looked like that was a lot of different art assets. I, I don't know I don't know how exactly that much time and effort it puts in, but it seemed like a lot of effort to make all these very specific clips just for a two and a half minute montage if that's all you're doing it for. Well, well now don't forget they did do about a yep. year ago, just for fun, they did an entire like uh their own making of um Highway to the Danger Zone. <laughs> That's true. Well, when it's I was had, it's had Archer flying uh, F-14s in the Top Gun mold, of which he never did. Well, what I was going to say is they actually did something very similar to this in the first episode of Archer Vice. Uh, towards the end of that episode, they actually did like a preview of the entire season. It was about a minute and a half, two minutes, and it took a bunch of clips from what was coming in this season <laughs> that showed you what Archer Vice was going to be. This actually made me remind uh, remind me of that a lot. Complete with the ending of, of Archer just at the table, you know, playing with little you know, figurines. And we're like, yep, that's pretty much how it's going to be. And everybody just kind of looking around at him like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, if that's going down, I'm, I'm even more excited than I originally was. Because as, uh, as you know, Ed, I was, uh, I was a child of the 1980s. Yes, you were. Big Magnum P.I. fan. Love Thomas Magnum. He's one of my absolute favorites. Former Navy SEAL Thomas Magnum, by the way. Um, he was absolutely one of my favorites. My my parents watched the show. I watched it with them. It was fantastic. Um, and uh, I will be stoked to see uh, Archer Pia. The stash is back. I love it. Um, I am I am still playing Xenoblade, and I love it so much. I am now. I am now. Over, I think when I, because I, I played a little bit before we pod tonight, I believe I am into hour seventy three of the game, um, and and girlfriend slash one name technical director Jackie, uh, our our special on site field producer that she is, um, I believe she has now put in close to. 30, 35 hours in her own save file. So between us, we've put in about 100 plus hours into this game. Um, it's it's fantastic. I just, I, I cannot get enough of how much of a badass you feel in this game. Like, oh, it's it's so good. It's just the, the ramp up in difficulty uh, is, is very steep at first. And then once you master everything, you just, you just, you just become a badass and you just start killing people, and it's 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 delicious. I I have yet to feel this way in a game, um, and and there's still so much more to be done. I think I'm maybe, I think I'm maybe forty forty five percent through the game, so we still have another probably hundred hours to go. So yay! I'm, I'm I am pissing off uh, the 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 one named technical director Jackie though because I've I've played ahead of her obviously considering I've played about forty hours more than her in the main story, and uh, so I I am like telling her about spoilers and then not spoiling it, like oh you might not want to do him why well just cause. Well. And, and and it just it just freaks her out. She's like, you you I I can't stand not knowing. I cannot stand not only well, you know. And then there was oh there was one moment there was one story mission, 
where she had she had finished this huge fight that you have and i played it uh and and it was like the cutscene ends you fight this giant monster and then you you think it's done you think you're you've won and it's over and then all of a sudden three more just like it come up and you're like one of the characters is even like, oh, come on, you can't be serious right now. And then, like, this most unbelievable and even bigger monster comes in and kills them for you. And just seeing her reaction as I was like, no, it's you thought it was over? Oh, it's not over yet. And then to have her freak out, like, she was like, oh, God, am I going to have to fight all of them? No, no. So I, I just, ah, oh, it, it was amazing. I love being ahead of people and stuff. It's great. Just kind of like how someone else spoiled Star Wars 7 for me. Well, I'm sure it really devastated you, didn't it? Eh, not that much, actually. Like, like momentarily it did, but in, in the long run it was fine. I mean, I the, the fact that I kind of expected it to happen anyway, I was just more shocked at being confirmed than actually being spoiled. So, with that, um, Wes, were we spoiled with our WWE Raw episode this week? I have to know, so please, let's get so raw. Well, it depends on uh, what uh, what iteration you want to use the word spoiled. A little more like spoiled milk to me this week. It was a little sour. Oh no, 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 no. Ooh, I don't want to hear that. Um, <sighs> if you saw my tweet from Monday night, you'll <laughs> kind of know how this so raw is going to go. Um, I believe my tweet was, uh, wasn't really into it tonight. Didn't really pay that much attention. <laughs> yeah. You, you were very much distracted, but you, you had a, you had a couple good notes. Uh, well, uh, I mean the highlights of the show, let's hit the highlights real quick. Um, there was a, uh, we had a Miz TV interaction tonight, um, between, uh, Mike the Miz mm. and, uh, AJ Styles. And it was kind of a. Who is AJ Styles was somewhat the premise for this uh, Miz TV. Um, if you've ever seen the Miz, he is horrendously irritating. He's uh, completely unlikable. He's he's pretty much he's he is the epitome of a douchebag. Awesome. That's actually his catchphrase. Awesome. Yeah. That's so funny. good call there, Ed. I knew you were into it. No problem. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, what he did, see, AJ Styles is known, you know, I, I love AJ Styles. I'm a huge fan. AJ Styles is a phenomenal performer, phenomenal wrestler, phenomenal character. AJ Styles is not the world's strongest talker. Mm. Um, you know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, was born at Camp Lejeune here in Eastern North Carolina, oh, I didn't know that. uh, and, and then moved to, uh, Gainesville, Georgia, grew up in Gainesville, Georgia. So mm. he's, you know. Uh, he, he's got a definite country draw when he talks. He's, he's kind of a soft spoken guy. Um, so, you know, that doesn't always lead to the greatest promo in the world. Let's put it this way. He's not the rock. Yeah. <laughs> Who is? Uh, who is? Um, so basically for about a 10 minute cycle of this, uh, Miz would start to introduce him. Um, as, as this segment started, he was really building up AJ Styles. He was telling you the history of AJ Styles winning all these championships in different organizations. And then he would start to hand the mic to Styles. And just as AJ's about to take the mic, Miz would just pull it back and start talking again. Oh, cool. 
Well, it actually, they did it very well where he kept building the tension and building the tension, and you could read the tension on AJ's face. The first few times, he was kind of smiling like, okay, dude. And then it really started to piss him off. And also, the Miz's, um, his actual manner changed as we went along. You know, at first, he was very, um, you know, spoke well of AJ Styles was, you know, really building him up. And then as it went along, the Miz is like, you know, but you've never done this. I've done this. You've never done this. I've done this. You don't even know what the hell you're here for. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it really turned a little hostile. Hmm. And when it got really hostile, AJ Styles jumped up and basically beat the snot out of the Miz. Uh, the Miz is fantastic at running away. (laughs) What a coward. Uh, yeah, he's, he is he is your typical chicken shit heel, um, and he he hightailed it out of there. He he's now taken to wearing a like a sleeveless duster and an infinity scarf. Wow, he's That's... very. I'm gonna tell you, he is extremely fashion forward. That is special. A little too fashion forward for most of us. But <laughs> as he's running away in this, it was it was it was quite humorous. Um, it was it was a good segment though. It really, for for more of the casual fan. I mean, let's put it this way: I didn't learn anything new about AJ Styles myself, mm-hmm. but I knew most all about AJ Styles before he came in. For uh, for your people who um, didn't know, you know, this was a really good kind of introduction to AJ Styles. Okay. Um, by the way, just to give you an update as we've been doing this podcast. I'm watching an old WCW pay-per-view called Capital Carnage 1990. Um, As we speak, RoboCop is walking down the aisle to save Sting from the Four Horsemen. Wow. That was... RoboCop. Wait, so they've they've done the Four Horsemen thing before? Oh, yeah. I mean, back in the 80s. That was Ric Flair. Oh, so so, that, so they're bringing that back for the uh, the the Wyatt brothers? Oh no 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 no! They don't go by the Four Horsemen at or all. Or the bra- oh oh! I thought I, th- no, I thought I heard that that started at uh, WrestleMania. They brought out the fourth weird brother or whatever. Well, they 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 did bring out a fourth, but they're not they're not even trying to compare it to the uh, Four Horsemen. Okay. Yes, the Four Horsemen are an entity unto themselves, which is beyond the amazing of amazing. Because Ric Flair basically got hammered and screwed like every chick on earth, apparently. So, mm. good times. Um, as we as we continue with So Raw, as uh, RoboCop just ripped a cage off, a door off a cage and saved Sting. Um, uh, show actually started Brock Lesnar coming out. Um, really nice promo from Paul Heyman. I know I'm a broken record there because it's always a great promo from Paul Heyman. Um, <clears throat> At the end of it, Dean Ambrose comes out and actually confronts Brock Lesnar. Uh, everyone is, I guess, assuming Brock Lesnar is just going to beat the ever-loving shit out of him at any moment. As Ambrose basically sits there and says, I know at Fastlane that I'm going to take a beating and you're going to beat the hell out of me. But, you know, yada, 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 I'm not going to quit. You know, all the good cliche stuff. But Dean Ambrose delivers it very well and gets you into it. Um, they kind of have a stare down. Ambrose walks out of the ring. Brock does not react at that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, builds a little tension, but it was a really, really good, to me, I really enjoyed it. I've heard some mixed reviews. Some people saying, well, you know, Ambrose doesn't even look like he belongs on the stage with Brock. I mean, we're not talking about a small guy here. Ambrose is actually a little taller than Brock. 
Hmm. It's just Brock has about 60 pounds on him, and Brock is just the baddest human being on Earth, I think, at this moment. Um, but I really liked it. Um, at the end of Raw, Brock came out and did F5 Ambrose to end the show. So Ambrose did kind of get his beat down at the end. But I like the opening segment of Raw. Um, I'll just finish it up. Kevin Owens. <laughs> Kevin Owens does the little things that make you remember his character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a very good in-ring performer, don't get me wrong. But it's it's just these small little add-ons that he does. At, at the end of the match, he's kind of had this ongoing thing with the lead announcer, Michael Cole, now for about maybe about a month, maybe about six weeks. It hasn't really gotten physical with Michael Cole, but he just he just does little things to try to antagonize the announcer. Like uh, in the middle of a match, he'll look at him and just yell at him, "Hey Cole, you like that?" Just very very sarcastic towards him. When uh, when Owens has sat down and been on commentary before, he's extremely sarcastic back towards uh, mm. Michael Cole. Well, this week Owens loses uh, to Dolph Ziggler. He gets rolled up and loses. And he's standing down at the announce table, kind of catching his breath, and you can see him just really steaming. And Michael Cole says something, not really out of the way, but it pisses off Owens. Owens just picks up his notes and throws them at him, and then picks up uh, JBL's cowboy hat and just chucks it out of the way. Just basically has a temper tantrum like a like a six year old would. As a as a fully grown, you know, two hundred and seventy yeah. pound man. He basically throws a temper tantrum. The only thing he didn't do was get on his back and kick his feet and cry. <laughs> and it's just it's just these little things that he does that really endear the character that make you really want to despise him for being such a petulant little asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it's, it's, it's really good. And uh, he had a good match with Ziggler. Uh, I'm interested to see what is leading up for his WrestleMania. Um his WrestleMania program at this point, we don't really have anything that Owens is highly involved in. Um, I, I think he's kind of laying some groundwork for a few things. We could see him end up with the undertaker, mm. which would be really good. You know, we could still see him maybe end up with Brock Lesnar. There are a few different things we could see from Owens and I'm excited going forward. Other than that, you know, new day gave their typical, yeah. Good promo. It wasn't a great one this week. No. Of course, coming off the rock last week, it's hard to follow up on that. Um, it was good, not great. Um, but you know, other than that, it was it was it was a week where I think they're starting to feel some of these injuries. <laughs> I tell you, Ed, everyone I pull for, every every organization or every anything that I like. They seem to have injury problems at the moment. Oh, no. <laughs> Liverpool and the WWE, everybody's beat up. And I think right now the injuries are kind of taking their toll on WWE. Um, they're missing some really key players. And uh, you know, we're just going to have to see where it goes. Have to see what we get going into WrestleMania. And just pray to God nobody else gets hurt between now and then. Yeah, that that would be bad because then then who will go into the fast lane? I mean, it literally might be me at this point. <laughs> that we would do a pod from the ringside. We would pod from the ringside. I and I would I would bring on Becky Lynch to be my co-host for the day. Oh, thank you. That's that's where we would go from there. Um, 
so that's that's a I think a fun way to end the pod here tonight. Uh, we should uh, we we started talking with uh, about Gary Neville at Valencia who escaped most of our wrath. Um, another person that I'm just being told will also escape our wrath on the day, Colin Coward, for saying more dumb shit about John Wall. Apparently, John Wall is just like Johnny Manziel. They are basically the same person. No, I heard, I listened to that. I listened to it today, actually. Now, I don't know if he said something. Whenever I listen to Cowherd, I listen to a best of, which is from the day before. That doesn't exist. There is no such thing as the best of Colin Cowherd. Well, they just take his his highlights from his show. There is no such thing as highlights of Colin Cowherd. Anyway, it's a shortened version of his show the day before. Okay, we'll I'll give you that. Um, and I did hear the whole Manziel, John Wall thing. Um, I think more where he was actually coming from. Now, he, he hammered Manziel, don't get me wrong, which at this point, hammered Manziel is kind of the way it goes. <laughs> it's why we only spent uh, two, two seconds talking about it. There's no need exactly. to anymore. Uh, but I think he was more on the John Wall train just saying he what he was talking about I actually agree with him, uh, was, you know, maturity in players, especially players who are, you know, your quarterbacks and your point guards who are kind of like the leaders of your team. You, you just hope for a higher maturity level from those guys. Mm-hmm. And basically, Cowherd has never forgiven John Wall for coming out and uh, doing the Dougie. Ever. He'll never forgive him. And, and that's that's basically all it's come down because he actually said in there, yeah, you know, John Wall has matured some. I'll give him that. No, no, no. The his co-host lady had to say it. He, yeah. he she had to say well, it for she, him. She did. She did. She she was she always defends John Wall. And then Cowherd was finally like, "Well, yeah, he has matured some. I'll give him that." Oh, good. Thanks for giving so, him that. Exactly. So, I mean, it is his thing. Cowherd just has a few things he he loves to hit on. One of them is the state of Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, you know, this week it's been, you know, of course, for three months it was Iowa football about how they really were not big time, which I think he was right. And now it's uh, that the Iowa caucus does not really represent America because it's mostly old white people. Oh, no, I can't wait until the Iowa Hawkeyes get a number one seed in the basketball tournament this year. Oh, if it happens, it'll be magical. I kind of hope it does. He wants to point. say it's not happening. But okay. Well, then he'll. Uh, uh, eh, it's uh, not I, I think top three seed is very likely. Um, <laughs> but he also says he says here, quote, he's a tremendous player in, in reference to Wall. But I mean, uh, when I look at Steph Curry, I'm like, he's got it all. And as the article I'm reading here from Awful Announcing points out. Yeah, well, when you hold anybody up to the reigning league MVP, yeah, people are going to pale in comparison. I'm sorry John uh, Wall isn't the league MVP and is playing for the defending national or defending NBA champions and is playing lights out basketball. I'm sorry John Wall isn't Steph Curry. Back the well, fuck said, off. He, where he was getting on was it was a maturity-based issue and he was – not only praising Steph Curry, he was praising the entire uh, locker room, basically of the uh, of the Golden State Warriors. So, Great, that's had fine. very good things to say about uh, a, 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 one of your alumnus brothers, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, because Harrison Barnes is a good guy. He was like, actually, I think that was his that was his biggest problem at Carolina. Is I always thought he was just a little too. He was too nice. He was too. He was he was a little too good. He's he, not enough Deli Ali in him. 
just, a little too passive. A little yeah, too a little, passive. A little too passive, but still a great God, talent. We just talk college basketball. What the hell is wrong with us? I can't and wait. The to... NBA. We talk college basketball in the NBA, I, and we didn't even mention the Super Bowl. I can't wait till we bring back the bracket matrix every week. That's going to be fun. Oh, uh, maybe next week when we get back to the A Foreign Affair podcast, but for now, that's going to do it for episode 52 here on the AFA pod. Uh, we want to once again thank NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com where we never stop. Check out their website for all of their great articles. If you actually do care about football, you're going to want to make sure you stop by there. It's a, it's a great football site. <laughs> it's a great football site. A lot of, a lot of NFL draft coverage, a lot of team wrap-ups, a lot of great stuff on there. It, it's just not going to come from us. I'm sorry. I'm not. Um, uh, on Twitter, the- we're the we're the alternative. Very alternative. We we are we are the Nirvana of NGSC Sports. Um, that's that's how alternative we are. No, you know what? I can't do that. We're the Pearl Jam of. of yeah, NG- I was about to say, which one of us is going to blow our heads off? If it means I can I can start the Foo Fighters, I. I guess I'll be the drummer. Um, you can follow what? this. This got dark. Wow, this got. Thanks, Cloward. You made it dark, cow turd. I blame you. Um, Don't go. Do, do not go on the cow turd. I've heard too many rednecks <laughs> um, on Paul Feinbaum's show call him cow turd. All right. Um, you can you find you can find NGSC Sports at NGSC Sports on the Twitter. You can find us at AFA Pod. Wes, where can they find you? I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. Please also check out our sister show that we are the spinoff of, the all-new sports show that's also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube under that name. You can also email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Finally, mail TV. We are, for some reason. Also, please mail us letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. I just had my Jeb Bush moment of the week. Please clap. Please clap. Thank you. There we go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, check back with us next week as we'll have a brand new podcast breaking down uh, this weekend's Premier League action. We'll have a lot to say, I'm sure, about Leicester, Manchester City coming up here on the weekend, as well as the USMNT friendly on uh, Friday against Canada and so much more. But Wes, before we get out of here, anything else to add? Um, apparently there is a Super Bowl this week and, uh, I, for one, would like to see that uh, middle America Peyton Manning take it home. The Swans for Peyton. That's that's how they did the, the so, that was so 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 he can ride off in the sunset and ride into Los Angeles next year to be the Rams quarterback. Yeah, it's just like oh, Todd, help out Todd Gurley, please, please. Oh, do it for Todd Peyton. Do it do for it, Todd. Do it for Todd. All right, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, that's McCall in crime, Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here this week and every week on NGSC Sports, iTunes Music Store, Podbean.com, TuneIn app, Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, and uh, the iHeartRadio app as well. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll even be on Google Play. But for now, check us out next week for episode 93 on the A Foreign Affair podcast. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the pitch. Good night, Denver. Bring it home. <sighs> that's, that's, our, that's our NFL talk for the week. And that's because, God, I, oh, I don't, I don't want to go into work on Monday if Carolina wins. Might have call in sick. I'm... Mm, and I, I would if uh, if I wasn't also planning on taking uh, next Monday off. Oh, Jesus. So. Well, Cal, Cal did give me one nice little piece of advice, of gambling advice. He said, <laughs> What's um, that? 
um, the last, the last, um, what is it? I think, I think like 30 sometimes in NFL playoff history, a team has scored 40 points. Mm-hmm. And that team in their next game has only um, covered the spread like five times. Okay. That's not well, reassuring me that Carolina's going to lose. Well, well, no, but well, what it is is he's, he was talking about like um, basically uh, so, like money is just pouring in. Like 88% of everyone betting in Vegas is like betting on Carolina to beat the spread. I did see that. So the spread just keeps like going up and up and up. It started like three and a half, which by the way, if I could have gotten, gotten over the three and a half, I think I would have put money on the pen. <laughs> but that was something like almost the whole time. Um, but he was making a point. It's like, you know, a lot of teams come back to this 40-point game. They don't come to the You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. 